love that song. Great is thy faithfulness. Thank you for sharing it with us and reminding us of God's faithfulness. And uh, thank you, Sherry, for telling that story again. We knew that today was going to be children's church and there weren't going to be that many children, but I said, Sherry, you got to tell that story anyway about that moment where, where you just realized, thank you, where you just realized that baby Stuart was something special to you, far more special than a puppy. And I don't know if you saw me, but I was up here, I actually had to rub a tear out of my eyes. And I know that story. <laughs> I get emotional and I get moved by the power of God and the stories and the things that he teaches us. True or false? Choice is made in a moment that perhaps didn't seem that significant at the time can impact the rest of our lives, maybe even impact the lives of those not yet born. What do you say? True or false? True. Can you think of any times in your life where something made a major impact and just changed everything from then on? Think about that. Let's pray together. We ask the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with us now, Father. Speak to our hearts. Move us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Yes, we all have moments that change our lives. Life-changing moments come in all sizes and shapes. Some of them we look forward to with great anticipation for when they'll finally come. Some we readily embrace and never regret. Some we hope never come, like illness, the tragic, the sad. Sometimes we investigate or instigate life-changing moments all on our own. Other times they're thrust upon us by the choices that other people make. Sometimes we don't realize at the moment what's happening and how much of an impact it's going to have, but later we look back and we see how profoundly a moment changed us, how it affected us. Looking back, we can see it. How important is a moment? How important is a moment? Ask the thief upon the cross. Ask Moses, whose place at the palace was lost. How important is a moment? Ask Zacchaeus about the tree. Ask Peter, who looked back and sank in the sea. How important is a moment? Ask the woman at the well. Ask Esau. Ask Jacob. Ask David to tell. Ask the boy who shared his lunch and lot about his wife. Ask the jailer about the call that saved his life. Ask the cripple beside the pool. Ask King Saul, ask Adam and Eve, and the Apostle Paul. How important, how important is a moment, just a passing minute? Well, that really depends on what we do with it. The mother of John F. Kennedy, Rose Kennedy, had this to say about a moment. Was she right or not? Life isn't a matter of milestones, but of moments. Or... Michaela Smeltzer, was she right when she wrote, life is not measured by the number of breaths you take, but by the moments that take your breath away? I remember one of those uh, breathtaking moments several years ago on the Oregon coast where we've, we've moved from Portland, Oregon recently to come here, and we were over at the coast, and as we checked in at the hotel, we were told at 11 o'clock tonight, all the power is going to go off until 5 o'clock the next morning. 
There's been a transformer that was damaged recently, and it's scheduled tonight is when that's going to be replaced, and all the power has to be turned off. Not just here at the hotel, but 10 miles north to 10 miles south, this entire section of the grid is going to be turned off. So what do you do? You're checking into a hotel there on the Oregon coast, and everything's going to go black. Well, it was a beautiful, clear day, and I knew immediately where I was going to be at 11 o'clock. I was standing on the beach, waiting, and right on cue, the big spotlights that were shining out at the dancing waves went black. All the windows in the hotel went dark. If there were cars passing by on the highway, the trees blocked, couldn't even see their lights. And then suddenly the lights came on, thousands and thousands and thousands. And I heard myself singing, Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. Do you know that song? I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Thank you for joining me on that. I sang, and I knew nobody else could hear me, and I was afraid to sing it to you today, but you gave me permission. I could, I could do that. <laughs> and the crashing of the waves, and I just sang at the top of my voice, and it was a moment with God, an awe-inspiring moment that I loved and I treasured. I knew God was with me right there. Have you had moments like that? 2 Corinthians 4, if you'll turn there, talks about moments in a different perspective. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. Paul talking to us and sharing, and for all people to say this, Paul and the things that he went through, the things that he experienced in his life, this is what he had to say. We do not lose heart, Paul writes, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He says we. That includes us. Does this describe you? Does this describe me? Is our focus on the seen or on the unseen, the eternal? The more years that go by for each one of us, the more we realize that this life is temporary, but I, for one, refuse to give in at least as long as I can. But we all know that our life here on this earth is limited. And the point that Paul wants to make by these verses is, come what may, we can trust in God and be at peace in our heart because we know the best is yet to come. Our focus is not on the here and now, the here and now, which is nothing in comparison to the eternity that God has prepared for us. We trust Jesus. We see the bigger picture. I have a question for you. Those of you who are past 30, those who are less than 30, listen in. If you're over 30, think back when you were 20 and you had an idea of where your life was going to go, is it where you thought it was going to be? Nobody's saying yes. Learn a lesson. Those who are 
younger than 30. Yes, there are some aspects of, li of our lives that reflect those ideas of youth and where we might be, but we don't know the specifics. We don't know how it's going to turn out. There's so much that we don't know. In fact, I've asked that question of several groups, and no one has ever said, yes, I'm exactly where I thought I was going to be. I've had my plan life planned out, and it was just checked off, check by check by check. It never happens. Opportunities come, and we take them, or, or perhaps we don't. But either way, our lives are changed. Marriage changes everything. Children. I didn't realize when we had our children that it would affect my life for the rest of my life. Well, I sort of did, but I didn't realize how much. I see some smiles out there with some of you saying, yes, I know exactly what you're saying. Job offers, illness, injuries, they have their impact. Even choices that others make can affect our lives, whether we like it or not. Can you look back and see how somebody else's choice has affected your life? The Bible tells us about people whose choices made 2,000 years ago and longer have affected our lives to this very day. Can you think of any? Adam and Eve, yes, affected our life to this very day. But you know, I'm not going to get on to Adam and Eve about the choice they made because I've jumped right in there with them. How about you? Any other choices that people made that affect our life to this very day? Abraham. Wow, yeah, probably in several different ways. Sarah, that offer of Hagar, the political scene is totally different. Jesus, his birth, his death on the cross, his resurrection changes everything for us to this day. And it changes the world. Come Christmas, it's going to change what goes on in the United States at Christmas time, right? In fact, we wouldn't have a Christmas if it weren't for Christ, right? I began asking, can you think of a time or an event that marked the rest of your life, a moment that changed where your life would take you? How many can say yes? You, I can remember a time. I remember something. Can you remember several? As I've thought about it, I, I've come up with quite a list. This summer... I returned to Ozark Academy in Gentry, Arkansas, where I graduated just a few years ago. <laughs> this is a cruel crowd. <laughs> so I was back. I won't tell you uh, how many years had gone by, but I was back, and I was looking forward to the, to the weekend, and in anticipation, I pulled out my yearbooks, and I started looking through, and the memories started coming back of what took place, and some of the fond memories. Of those fond memories, I remember Friday nights when it was clear and we were out under the sky. You notice a theme here? I love the night sky. After Vespers, then a number of us guys regularly would get together and go out behind the dorm, and a couple of guys would bring guitars, and we would sing songs, and we would pray together. Side by side, I fell in love with that song there in Academy. Pass it on. Anyone remember that song? It only takes a spark. Just a few of the songs that I fell in love with. Are there any worship songs that you've fallen in love with that just mean something to you? I hope so. I love those times that we were out together 
singing and praying, and they made an impact on my life. Then there was a fall week of prayer that I remember, and I had no idea at the time that it was going to make such an impact on my life. But as I have considered it over the years, I've realized that fall week of prayer. Have you ever been to a week of prayer? In fact, it's not called that at Spencerville Academy. Spencerville Academy, it's week of worship, and thanks to Pastor Stewart, it's going to be two weeks of worship this this year. The first couple of weeks of November, and you don't have to be a student or a staff at Spencerville Academy to enjoy this special two weeks because Pastor Stewart's going to be presenting the same messages here. You heard about that, right? You know about it. Take advantage. I don't know how many weeks of prayer that I've experienced, every single one of them having its impact on me, but it was that fall week of prayer, my senior year in academy, that perhaps of all of them had the biggest impact. No, I didn't realize it at the time. Dr. Don Weaver, a local physician, came and talked to us in the mornings and in the evenings, and he always started off the same way. Let me show you what he did. You don't overcome sin by trying to overcome sin. You overcome sin by getting to know Jesus. Then he would walk back to the middle and he'd talk to us about Jesus as if he really knew him. And I listened. And I was amazed at the stories that he told and how he brought it to life. And this is a guy who actually knows the guy he's talking about. I was intrigued. And then on Friday, on Friday, he said, I have a gift for every one of you. Well, now he had my attention even more. A gift. This is a doctor. He's rich. <laughs> he's got something for me. What's he got? And he says, but if you take them, he says, two, two gifts actually. But if you take them, you're promising me you're going to read them. Oh, <laughs> books, just what every teenage boy looks forward to, right? Uh, well, I took a look, and, and I didn't have either one of those books personally on them, and so I took them because I'm always looking for how my promise can be kept, and, and he left me a loophole. He didn't say how soon I had to read them. So someday, Dr. Don, when my grandkids aren't overbugging me, and I've got nothing else to do, I'll get to those books. And so I took both of them, a little skinny one and a big thick one. And I took them and I put them in my room and I put them on the shelf and that's where they sat for a few weeks. And then something happened. I had no idea how, that I was gonna end up reading those books before the school year ended. The little skinny one and the big thick one. But something happened at work. You see, I had a job and, and I was really proud of the fact that at the cabinet factory where I had worked, I had advanced my skill level such that I was final coat lacquer, spraying the cabinets as they came through. I had to have it perfect or they got sent back and had to be repaired. And so I was proud of that. And I had learned something. My booth was about as long as it is from, from the guardrail there to the guardrail here. And I had learned that if I'm over here as the cabinets are coming in and I spray it and just as it comes in, I finish it off, I can hang my gun up and I've got five minutes that I can walk around the paint shop and visit with whoever I want, and I love visiting. Five minutes, and I would have to watch, and I would get back to my booth just in time before 
the next cabinet that I hadn't sprayed was just about out and I could spray. And for 10 minutes I had to work spraying those cabinets until I'm all the way back to this side and I finish that off and I hang my gun up and I've got five more minutes. And so one day while I'm enjoying my five minute break that I get every 10 minutes, I'm over visiting with the girls on the sanding booth, sanding the cabinets that have come out of the sealer and the uh, dryer uh, booths. And Mr. Hayes, the foreman, came over. Bob, I need to talk to you. Uh, yes, what is it? He said, I've noticed you're not staying at your booth getting the cabinets sprayed. No, I haven't missed a single one. Bob, I've just got a bit of information for you. The next time you leave your booth, when it's not break time, just keep on walking to the time clock and check out because you're fired. What? This didn't make a bit of sense to me. We were all getting the jobs done that we were hired to do. What's the big problem? But I didn't want to get fired. However, I sure had an attitude. So I sprayed for 10 minutes and I stood there upset that I couldn't leave, and I sprayed for 10 minutes, and I stood there, and then I noticed there's a five-gallon bucket sitting there, so I turned it over, and I sat down on the five-gallon bucket right outside my booth, and I just stared at Mr. Hayes. Real boring, trying to stare at him for five minutes, but I wasn't going to give in. <laughs> so I got up, and I sprayed again, and somewhere in that, then God took advantage of my stubbornness. God will take advantage of anything he can to get to us. He kind of whispered in my ear, I guess. The thought came, hey, why don't you keep that promise to Dr. Don and read one of those books? Well, I could start on the little skinny one. And that would help prove my point that I'm not going to give in for these five-minute breaks. So the next day, I brought that little skinny book, and I would spray for five minutes, and I would sit there reading that little skinny book. And, oh, it was the most boring book, but I wasn't going to give in. And... When I finished it within a week, well, I guess I might as well start on the big one. And that's when I nearly got fired for sure. You see that big one, by the time I was two or three chapters into the Desire of Ages, I forgot about the cabinets. And they were going through my booth, and I forgot to get up to spray them. And fortunately, I'd made friends with the inspector at the end of the line that said, yep, good enough, it can go to shipping or go back and get fixed. And he would come over to me and give me some timely advice about getting off my bucket and spraying my cabinets. And he would hook it back on, and I would have to spray. And I realized I had a real problem. I'm going to get fired. I had started going to uh, Dr. Don, the fellow who had the week of prayer. I'd started going to his house on Wednesday evenings, and we would pray together, and we would study about Jesus and learn about him together. And, and I mentioned my problem that I was in, and Dr. Don said, well, do you have a study hall, a study period where you don't have a class during the day? Well, I did, right before lunch. Well, see if you can uh, get permission to go back to your room at that time. So I asked, and I was given permission that 50 minutes every day just before lunch with Jesus changed my life. I praise God for it. And no, I didn't get fired and I got over my attitude. Taking time every day, moments with God transforms us. The freshman class that I get to teach at Spencerville Academy, I assigned them a few weeks ago to do a project, a devotional journal. Any freshmen in here? I really enjoyed getting back the reports. They had to uh, write down for me 10 pages, just 10 reports 
of the devotions that they had over a two and a half, three week period. And it included something that Dr. Don taught me is also a part of our daily devotional time. Pray, pray about what it is that God's about to reveal to you. Take the time to read and soak in and visualize and experience what it is that God's sharing with you. Pray about it again and then go tell someone. Share it. I started doing that. The two fellows that lived right across the hall from me, they were the ones that I would tell every day, hey, I was reading in the Desire of Ages. I was reading this passage in the Bible that went along with the Desire of Ages. And we became best of friends to this day in my phone. Ed and Larry both have their numbers in my phone. We're friends after all these few years. And so I enjoyed getting the reports back from the freshman class as they stapled their 10 pages together and I would look at what it was that they had committed themselves to doing for a devotional project. And I would look to see, who did you share with? What was their reaction? And I loved it. It, it, it was inspiration to me. Do that. I encourage every single one of you, take time, spend time with God and tell other people about it. In fact, that's where I can segue into this week of prayer coming up, these meetings coming up in a couple of weeks. Come, enjoy them, and bring a friend along. That might make an eternal difference for them. We never know. But if we don't invite them, we know this event won't affect them. Oh, I should tell you about that little thin book that was so boring. A year later, I'm in college. One of my friends said, hey, have you ever read Steps to Christ? Well, yeah, why? Oh, the last chapter is so amazing. And I thought, really? Yeah, you should read it again. Well, Thanksgiving break was coming up right then, and I thought, well, okay, I will. What did he see in that little book? How could I ever see, have seen that book as boring? Wow. It is so full of good stuff. And I realize, you know, our attitude can have an awful lot with whether the Holy Spirit can get through with, to us or not. Even with a bad attitude, God worked with me and softened it up with that little book, got me into the big book. Yes, <laughs> Steps to Christ, fantastic book also. I've had opportunity. In fact, this summer I saw Dr. Don again and told him again, thank you for what you did for me and what you shared with me. You shared your experience with Jesus, and it became my experience. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Some of you may know this one by memory. It's been a favorite of mine since Academy days. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. I love that one. And then Psalms 37 caught my attention a few years ago. It starts off the same way. Psalms 37, verse 3, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. But it's verse 4 that really got to my heart once I realized what it was saying. Verse 4, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And then one day it hit me. God promises to give us the desires of our heart. And that's what I needed. Not the things I want, but the wants I should want. God's willing to give me the right wants, the right desires. My part is simply to take the time to delight myself in the Lord. And when I do, God transforms. That's what God was doing for me 
back in academy days on Friday nights as we sang together and as we prayed together under the stars, putting desires in my heart. That's what God was doing for me that fall week of prayer my senior year and every week of prayer that's followed, putting desires in my heart. That's what God was doing with me that those 50-minute study hall periods that I had, putting desires in my heart. And that's what God does for me and for you. Every time we take time to spend time with him, putting desires in our hearts. Thinking about the desire of ages and the experiences I had, I went back this week and I looked and I reviewed a little bit some of those stories. I've, I've read the book probably at least a dozen times over the years. Every time, every time, it just moves my heart. I see the first leper who came to Jesus, an outcast from society, but he braved what he knew he might face as he went to find Jesus because he believed that Jesus could heal him, and Jesus did. But you know, Jesus did more than just tell him, be healed. Jesus touched him, and I imagine the shock of the crowd when Jesus touched him. Then the leper was well, and then word went out, and that caused some more problems. I think of the time that Jesus cleansed the temple. Whatever it was that Jesus did that day, I want you to realize something about it. It, it hit me one day. Those who are, the most, who, who are the most easily intimidated and frightened didn't run away. The children, the moms, they weren't scared. So whatever Jesus did that ran everyone else away, it attracted the moms and the kids, and they came to him, and it changed everything. That night in Gethsemane, Peter, put your sword away. <laughs> then he healed Malchus's ear. And I relate, and I think, I'm Peter. And I know how to take care of myself, God, but you tell me to put my own defense away? What am I supposed to do? So Peter ran. Jesus, teach me so that I don't run. Let me put my trust in you. And then, the day that I discovered something, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, were, were they all present at the cross? You know they were. I knew where the Father was, I knew where the Son was, but the day that I discovered where the Holy Spirit was and what He was doing, wow. <laughs> Look for the Holy Spirit at the cross. I'm not going to tell you where He is. God, change me and make me like you. Acts chapters 21 through 26 tell the story of Paul being arrested in Jerusalem, and for the, over two years he was held prisoner there. He had a number of opportunities to meet with the Roman governor and explain his teachings. And one of the saddest verses in the Bible is found in Acts 26, verse 28. It was when King Agrippa was invited and Paul had opportunity to explain to him, a Jew, what it was that he was teaching. The saddest verse, verse 28, that King Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Almost is a miss. I almost made it to the airport in time to catch my flight is a missed flight, right? Don't almost be persuaded to give Jesus the opportunity to transform your life. 
Don't almost be persuaded. Be persuaded. Take a moment now and look and see. Jesus, have I given you permission to change my life and to be the Lord of my life? Don't be almost persuaded and miss out on all that God has planned for you. Life has a way of getting complicated. Things get between us and God. If that's happened in your life, take this moment to say, I am going to keep my priorities what they need to be. John tells us, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Make sure that you have Jesus. God offers us life, real life, life beyond comprehension. And your whole life, God's been reaching out to you to tell you of the great plans he has for you and how much he loves you and that he's not going to give you up for anything if he can keep it from happening. Recognize the moments that you can have with God. Take advantage of them. Choose to be with him in the moment. Choose life. I don't recall whether it was academy or college, but we had to memorize something that Ellen White wrote in Life Sketches. We have nothing to fear for the future, except as, we fo- except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and is teaching in our past history. Have any of you heard that before? We have nothing to fear for the future, except as we shall forget. But what if we have nothing to remember? Then we have a lot to fear. Take the time to remember. Don't forget. Remind yourself of those times that God has made a difference in your life, those times that you know he has been there. No, life isn't a matter of milestones, but of moments. Moments, there are certain moments that maybe change the direction of our life, but as it changes the direction of our life, it impacts how we spend our next moments. Take time make sure we're spending moments with God. Spending moments with God is is kind of like spending time in the sun. You don't get a suntan instantly, do you? Well, you can buy it in a bottle. Won't look so good. I've tried. The more time you spend in the sun, the more it affects the way you look. Spend time with the sun of righteousness. How's your tan coming? Work on that tan. One last verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52, tells about a life-changing moment that God has planned for every one of you, for every one of us. Don't miss out. I sure don't want to miss out. Listen to what it, listen to what it says, the moment that you want to be there. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Oh, what a life-changing moment that's going to be. I want to be a part of that moment. What about you? Your connection card, if you'll take just a moment to look at it. My prayer response today, today in this moment I choose Jesus as my Lord. Is that your choice? act upon it. I remember times in my life when I know God was close. I hope you can check that one. It is my desire, my commitment to choose to be where God can impact my life in the moment 
and for eternity. Pray with me. Father, thank you. I'm personally thanking you for the way you have impacted my life and changed me and for the people that have been in my life that had their part in transforming. And Jesus, continue the work that you've begun because there's so much more work yet to be done in my life. And now I pray for these, my new friends, as I'm now a part of this church family. Change us. Make us like you. And in the meetings coming up, I pray that we will be here, that we will take part, that we will have part in being an impact on other people's lives, and we'll be courageous and invite our neighbors, invite friends, invite relatives to come and be here. And during those moments we spend, as Pastor Stewart speaks to us, change our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.